Hey guys, welcome to the Twiniversity Podcast, a show created exclusively for parents of twins. I'm your host, Natalie Diaz. I am a mom of twins. I am also the Twiniversity founder, and I am the best-selling author of the book, What to Do When You're Having Two. Our goal at Twiniversity is to make sure that you always feel connected, we laugh at the little things, and we really do get to teach you a few tricks along the way. And that is what we hope this podcast is about to do. So welcome to Twiniversity. Today's episode of the Twiniversity podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Cybex. Cybex has a new game-changing car seat for your 20s. It's called the Serona M. The Serona M has Cybex's exclusive SensorSave 2.0 technology, which is integrated right into their five-point safety harness chest clip. It syncs with the vehicle's receiver and a caregiver's cell phone to provide alerts to the child's well-being. And I'll answer the question for you, yes. Yes, you can sync up multiple seats to your app. You could also add your spouse, grandma, nanny, babysitter, and everybody so that everybody could rest assured knowing that your kiddos are always safe and sound when in the car. For more information on Cybex's Serona M with SensorSave 2.0, visit Cybex-Online.com. Before we begin our fantastic chat of the day, I want to give you guys a heads up that this has been previously recorded from a Facebook Live. So if you hear me referencing people, know that they are not my imaginary friends, but they were actual people that were participating in our discussion. So without further ado, let's get to it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Twiniversity. It's time. If you haven't met Dr. Dean yet... Should we just could we just call you Dr. Dina or do you like your last name? No, no, I like Dr. Dina. Because just in case you're wanted in some states, you don't want people Googling you and be like, we found her. <gasps> that would be horrible. So we're here with Dr. Dina, who is my kids pediatrician and really one of I would say my favorite authorities on all things kids medical. And I text you enough. Don't tell anyone that. Listen, <laughs> we, we have had a really, really, really rough month. It's been it has month. not been great for the Diaz family health-wise. But we're on an upswing. Yeah, we're totally on an upswing. And I'm hoping that every 10 years this seems to happen. So when the kids were three, we all got the flu. Like bad. Like super bad. So and and, and we had the vaccination. We made it through this season without the flu. Yes, we made it through without the flu. <laughs> but we instead got other things that were equally as exciting. So um, it, it's just really nice. And if you do not have a really good relationship with your pediatrician, you have to find a new pediatrician because it's it's pretty important that you're able to start conversations and not feel like, oh my gosh, I'm bothering the doctor. This is horrible. Bother the doctor. The doctor could always say, I can't answer now. I'm, you know, I'm doing something else. But you definitely want to have a really nice conversation. Well, and that's doctor. our job. Totally. You know what I mean? So totally. we, we actually prefer if you're in touch with us and you don't go to urgent care or that kind of stuff because we know your kids, yeah. we know what's going on with them, we know your family. And so actually it's better for us if you're in touch with us when things are going on with your kids yeah. because we can provide the best care for them. I wish that I had a relationship with my doctor the way that you have it with the kids or that I have it with you. Like, I almost wish. You mean as an adult be, or growing yeah, up as no. a pediatrician? Oh, totally. Growing up, I don't even remember. Like, we didn't even have one solid pediatrician. We had a few. But, yeah, I wish that I could, like, text my regular doctor and be like, I have a cough. I'm always in urgent care. That's just, like, I don't even bother. Like, I don't even have a doctor that I care about. So I'm like, why not? We're going to urgent care. Anyway, that's not what this conversation is about. Today, we are talking about postpartum mood disorders and how to start a conversation, how to recognize the symptoms, how to know, you know, when and if to call the doctor. And there's so much to this story that, I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin. So I found out that Dr. Dina also had postpartum depression. I, I had, actually had postpartum anxiety, which is really yes. important. We're going to have to talk about what the differences are yes. between the two and how, you know, you can have either or, which people don't even really realize, actually. No, they don't. I think that most people, like, they'll Google postpartum depression and then they might not recognize the signs or they might not know that there's other things that can happen postnatal. So that's why we are talking about postpartum mood disorders. This is not about postpartum depression. This is not about postpartum anxiety. There is a slew of things that you might feel, and we are hoping to debunk some of those myths and help you start that conversation 
with your OB, your primary care doctor, a therapist if you have one. But if you have any questions or you're concerned, please just message us right now. Here's how this goes. So Dr. Dina and I are here in New York City, which is quite beautiful today. I have to say, thank goodness it's at least not snowing. Or pouring a monsoon. I just want to say also, actually, you can speak to your pediatrician about any postpartum emotional stuff that you're going through because actually you're going to see your pediatrician a lot yes. more than you're going to see the other doctors in your life. Um, and so the pediatricians are really at the forefront of postpartum mental health. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we go forward, but I do feel that it's really important that moms and dads yes. feel like you can come to your pediatrician. We do know how to screen. We do have support resources and we care. We don't just care yeah. about the baby. We care about the entire family unit or babies uh, care about the entire family unit. And I think that um, that's something that I think is really important for new second, third, fourth, fifteenth yeah. time parents to know. Now, if you if I was going to the pediatrician with my twins, right, and we have a regular appointment, what signs do you recognize in somebody? So, like, forget about if me even saying to you, I think I have this. What are some things that a mom may be experiencing that she doesn't even realize are postpartum anxiety? Also, by the way, if you guys could hear us okay, I do want to have like a quick thumbs up for you guys that are with us. I usually do that in the beginning. So a quick thumbs up so that we know that you could hear us okay. And then hearts if you could see us okay. So that's well, we'll see those things come up. And then please, I, we're actually already getting questions, to be honest with you. So Julie is behind the curtain now, so throw your questions up during this live feed. Julie will then text them to me. So if you see me looking over here, just know that it is really simply because I'm reading your questions. We often get a lot of comments during the live feed and we don't want to miss a thing. So Julie texts me independently. So going back, what are the signs that we may be feeling that you may recognize that are a postpartum mood disorder? Okay, so let's start with sort of kind of one thing that I think is really important and something we actually do in our practice is what's called universal screening. And so the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends screening at the two-week, five-week, two-month, four-month, and six-month visits. And so we <coughs> do that in our practice, and okay. that is done privately. Okay. So basically, the mom fills it out, and then we'll get a score. So sometimes people won't realize or they don't feel comfortable to say, oh, you know, I'm not feeling well for whatever reasons. And so we have, so we'll start with that and we do it for everyone. So there's no stigma associated with it. It's just regular It's just jobs. routine screening. Right. And so that is something that I would recommend all pediatricians do, but that's definitely something we do here. Other things, just in terms of signs you can look for yourself. Uh, Within the first two weeks of life, it's very common, or 10 to 14 days is what they say, to have what's called postpartum blues. Okay. So that's where you're kind of crying more, you feel yucky, you feel sad, you know, but that cloud should sort of lift by about two why weeks. Why does it happen? Like, why, what's, what's happening at the two-week mark that's making this fairly universally happen? The thought is that there's all these shifting hormones. We don't know exactly, but the thought is there's just all this shut. And well, actually more research is showing that postpartum mood disorders may be related to shifting hormones and that perhaps there's um, hormonal treatment for it. Okay. But that's kind of interesting and not really related, but we don't know exactly. But the thought is, first of all, you're under stress, mm -hmm. right? So having one baby stressful, having two is really stressful. If you have older kids, that's hard. Yeah. You're also sleep deprived. Right, so that we know is used as a form of torture mm -hmm. in many countries. So, um, uh, and there's also the adjustment to having a yeah. new person in your life. So, a baby, I always like to say, is sort of like getting a new boss that wakes you up every two hours and that doesn't speak English, and you have to guess what they want. Right, and so that keeps you get to know them, you know, and so there's just a lot of change. There's shifting family dynamic, and then there's hormonal shifts. So I think all that stuff combined makes there this sort of adjustment period. And then, you know, if in the first two weeks you're having very severe feelings of sadness, worry, um, insomnia, so like when the baby's you can't sleep when the baby's yeah. sleeping, um, you're having unusual thoughts for yourself mm -hmm. or intrusive thoughts. Obviously, that would not just be postpartum blues, yeah. and you would want to 
talk to somebody sooner. But then after two weeks, for most people, yeah, you may still be tired, exhausted, not feeling yourself. Mm -hmm. But the symptoms sort of improve that kind of like, I'm just going to cry out of nowhere. Stuff. And so, I mean, it's hard, I think, I mean, I'll go over the symptoms, but one of the things I think is really hard as a parent and as a person to recognize is that a lot of these symptoms are things we attribute to new motherhood. Mm -hmm. And so yes. that's a big deal. I feel, yeah. I think that a lot of people are just like, well, this is what it's like. This right. is what it's going to be like. This is, it's stressful. This is what it's like. This is what I'm supposed to feel. Every new mother, I mean, everybody hears about baby blues. So everybody just assumes that that's the baby blues. And if you didn't have a kid before and you didn't know that there were different levels of baby blues or whatever you want to call it, you may not be able to recognize that. I feel the worst for people, like why I asked you about how do you recognize it is because so many people don't, they just assume that it's normal. And I feel like the burden really falls on you a lot, sadly, because you're, you have to be the one that sees it now here at premier pediatrics, they do have this form, but you may not have this form. So how do, how does your doctor really know? And then when you're going to your uh, pediatrician's appointment, you're just like, this one's eating, this one's pooping, this one's breastfeeding, this one's not latching. Like you have so many things going on in your mind that a doctor may not even be able to recognize because you're like, here's my questions, give me some answers, I gotta go. So one of the things that I would say in terms of uh, my personal practice and things I pick up on is, and it's something that I experienced actually myself, is this sort of excessive worry mm -hmm. about your child and the perpetual sort of reassurance. Mm -hmm. So like if someone's calling me very, very frequently and over and over things really are, the baby is healthy physically, yeah. I will start to say like, okay, obviously there's something going on. And then I would say, you know, it seems like you've got a lot of things on your mind. You seem very worried. The baby is really doing okay. How are you feeling? Yeah. You know, and I think that that's a very big part of it because sometimes what happens, especially in postpartum anxiety, but postpartum depression as well, your anxiety transfers to the baby. Yeah. And so you don't, you're not going to come in and say, I feel nervous, yes. but you're going to say that you may not be sleeping well because you're super worried that if you fall asleep, the baby's going to stop breathing. That's a common one. You're worried about, it's kind of, I always say it's like never ending cycle of what ifs. Yeah. So like. What if I go out and I don't leave an espresso, or I don't have enough formula, or I go out and the baby cries, and this, and then what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if. It becomes this never-ending cycles of what if. And that, I think, is a huge thing for moms and dads to recognize. If you are having a lot of those kind of thoughts, you probably have some sort of postpartum mood disorder. The other thing I think is big is being able to trust someone to watch your child. Yes. If you have, and not just anyone, obviously, but if you have someone in your life who you trust under normal circumstances, but you can't leave your baby alone with anyone else for fear that something bad is going to happen, or you have someone watching and you can't rest, even your partner, even your partner, okay. for fear that something bad is going to happen, even more so you should trust your partner, right? Yes. So if you're having that and you just feel like no one else can do this for you, that's usually a sign going on. Yeah. If you feel disconnected from the baby, you don't have to be embarrassed. If you feel disconnected, you're having a hard time connecting with your baby, talk about it with your pediatrician. Because what I tell you all the time is, yeah, maybe you'd feel better in four months, maybe you wouldn't. Yeah. Um, but let's say you would feel better on your own. Why should you not enjoy the first four months yes. of your baby's life? Yes, a hundred percent. You know, and so I feel like I did not live my second son. I had terrible postpartum anxiety. I did not enjoy the first four months of his life. And that was the last time for me. Yes. And I'll never get back. And so I'm like, I feel very strongly that I don't want that to happen to other women. You know, in, in addition, besides not enjoying it, the odds are that you actually could forget it. Because if your depression or anxiety is so bad, I think like your brain does like this little shut off and then you go back and you don't even remember I agree. that things happen. So what, when, when the babies were three months old, so when the twins were three months old, apparently, and this is, this is why I say to you the word apparently, apparently we went to an Enrique Iglesias concert at Madison Square Garden. With the babies? Nope, not with the babies. <laughs> Somebody, uh, at the time, it was my god sister worked for People in Espanol, and she got us tickets, like, like real good tickets. She was the editor. Like, we had really good tickets. So we went to go see this concert in Madison Square Garden. So picture this. 
13,000 people in a stadium with blaring music going like behind the scenes. And I swear to God, I have zero recollection of that. Right. Zero. To the point that now it's like, it's a comical thing because at this point, 13 years later, you can't but just laugh at it. But there are so, for the first four months, I could only remember their life in pictures. There's things that I can remember, but I'll go right. through like a photo album and this would be maybe when they were nine months old and say, I don't remember, you know, this person visiting from out of town. And it's so, it's interesting because it took so long to get help because I felt that stigma. I just assumed that every twin parent feels like this. Every twin parent feels overwhelmed. Every twin parent feels stressed. Every twin parent's in the NICU. Every twin parent has, you know, a, a traumatic delivery with significant blood loss and an, an extensive hospitalization. I had no friends that had twins, so I assumed that this is what everybody yeah, else he was just experiencing. factors for postpartum mood disorder. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, you're a job. You've had all of them. Oh, yeah. You know, and so your pediatrician, you know, or now, you know, when anyone's with you, you want to be alert that, you know, so for example, one of the questions when I go through family history, and again, this is a question that everyone is, do you have any history of anxiety or depression in your family? Um, and anyone personally, mm -hmm. because if you actually have a personal history of anxiety or depression, mm -hmm. you are more at risk for postpartum mood disorder. And I think kind of going through, I say like, this may happen, this may not happen, but here are signs you should look for, and you should know that you have the support here. And so sort of setting people up for success, I think is really important, and for a place to feel safe. I think the twin thing throws a really freaking huge monkey wrench it's much harder. into this. And because the, the appointments, like my, the pediatrician that I was with previous to Dr. Dina, we've been with her since the dawn of time. She, and I have to say the truth, and you know who she is too. So like Dr. Keith was exquisite, great, exceptional, exceptional doctor. But when I went, I put on a front because I had some fear that my doctor was going to judge me, even though she wouldn't. And you know right. her well enough and she would never. And in hindsight, knowing her for the, the 12 years plus that we had her as a doctor, she does not have a judgmental bone in her body. But yeah. for some reason, I was like, if I don't present myself in such a fashion she's going to think i'm a failure that's why there's universal screening oh that's why People i love this more honest, um, <laughs> and then we have people are more likely to be honest on the screen and as our teenagers which yes. is why we do screening for teenagers i know i thought that was also great another, also on a paper because people are more likely to tell you the truth yes in that way yes. than they are to say to your face and i think actually you bring up a really important point and it was something that i felt also after uh, my second son when I had the postpartum anxiety is I felt like I had to be perfect. Yeah. And also this sense of like I was smart, educated, pediatrician, what the heck? Why yeah. was I feeling like this? So I would go to brunch and mm -hmm. I lost 30 pounds in six weeks and people were like, oh my gosh, I'm skinny jeans. And I was like, yay. But really it was because I wasn't eating because I was so miserable. Yeah. And so I think I just like hid everything behind smiles because I felt this intense pressure. Oh and I, I think that it. is something, first of all, that has, has improved some, but there's a lot of room for growth. Yeah. And I think that we as moms, you as a person who is a spokes figure for moms, me as a pediatrician, know. it is our responsibility to it say, is. like, no more are these conversations hushed. No more do we not support each other. No more does everything have to be rainbows, lovely paths, and sunshine. If you don't feel good, that's this, actually this is my quote, and I say it to friends and, and to patients. If you feel amazing after you have a baby, great. But if you don't feel good, that's okay too. And that's really, I think, the messaging. You don't have to feel bad. You don't yeah. have to feel great. You can feel in the middle. But being able to talk about how you feel is critical. Now, we have some questions okay. that are concerning to me, and Let's so I want to make questions. sure that we get to that. So we got to scroll up a little bit. So can Kiki, could postpartum anxiety or depression come and go? Or is it something that's like, I have it. I'm having a good day today. I'm having a horrible day today. I'm having a great day today. How? It definitely can come and go. Uh, it does not need to start early. It can start later. A lot of moms present with postpartum anxiety and depression when they return to work. That's a very stressful time. Any sort of. Um, I'm sorry. It's okay. That's yes, okay. Me. I'll take my lunch. Oh, sure. Okay, we're trying to starve Dr. Weinberg That's over right. here. You want to come say hi on the I'm camera? This is and Dr. Now, and now this is my son's pediatrician. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's the whole family. 
Okay. Enjoy your little meat. You're lucky I didn't drink your ginger ale. Or eat your fries. No, so going back to this really important thing. That doesn't have to start right away. And in general, mood is fluctuating. So yeah. you can have better days. You can have worse days. I can really feel like if it's interfering with your life in some sort of way, yeah. you're not enjoying your time as much, you're not eating, you're not sleeping, or you don't like the way you feel for any reason, talk to somebody. So That's we really can come and go. Absolutely. And it can happen anytime after birth. Right. What, when, when are we kind of out of the woods? Is, is there a time that we're like hormonally out of the woods, right? Because you may never be out of the woods anxiety-wise. So the DSM criteria is within the first year, but there is a lot of movement to change What's that. The, the um, psychiatric manual, okay. diagnostic. Okay. We don't know what that is. Yeah, so the criteria is a year, but technically, honestly, there is a lot of move to change that and to yeah. say any time. Because some people feel like it goes better, they get it again. You know, like there's a lot of stuff that kind of happens. Yeah. So general, I would think, and also there's a large percentage of, anxiety and depression that can start during the pregnancy, which yes. I think people need to yes. be aware of. That is really and, true. And um, that is something and to fear think about too. Like yeah. that whole, that fear, that, that anxiety with the, I'm not going to have, you know, these babies are not going to be delivered correctly. They're not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. I'm like, I, I can't do this. But it's, it, it happens a lot. I see students that have this and I'm like, okay, like here's how we're going to get through this. And sometimes you may be able to just be able to talk to somebody that's either been there or done that. And I think it's so fantastic that we have somebody today, Heidi, who's joining us, and she's like, she, some of the thoughts that she had made her feel possessed. How could she help others now? Okay, so I think, I think that's it's, it's so one great. of the things we need to talk about also, and this is a very rare thing, but 1% of women can get postpartum psychosis. Yes. And postpartum psychosis is an emergency. It is a medical emergency. If you at any time feel that you have thoughts of harming yourself or mm -hmm. harming your baby, you need to call your doctor. It is not. Would you call 911? Would I? Um, would you recommend that if somebody you do not call have someone? access? Call 911. Okay. Walk yourself to an ER. There's a lot of fear. People think they're going to lose their children. That's yeah. not how it works. It is you are doing giving your child. A, Overall, but yeah. if, God forbid, if you have postpartum psychosis, it is a gift to yourself and your child mm -hmm. to walk yourself to an emergency room because okay. that is an emergency, okay? As if you aren't breathing, as if you are, feel think you're having a heart attack, any of that put them in the category of emergency. Okay. For postpartum anxiety and depression, same. It is a gift. It's not an emergency, yes. but it is a gift to yourself, your child, and your entire family yes. to take help. There is no benefit to suffering in silence. Yeah. No one wins. There's no reason to do it. And there is no benefit to judgment. And, you know, that is our responsibility. There are lots of ways to get involved. Um, Postpartum Support International is amazing. She did it. PSI. If yeah. you're in the city, Motherhood Center is doing great work. Um, the Selenium Institute is doing great yes. work. Uh, you know, here actually at our office, we do um, have a postpartum social worker who will see patients at low cost. Yeah, we are very We are very connected with both motherhood and Salani in terms of getting people in if they need to. And then we have mom group also, and which then is actually available to anyone. You don't have to be a patient here. So anybody can join the mom group. See, that's it's a great facilitated mom group with oh. Melissa, who's a postpartum. So telling you, man, this this practice, I wish that. I, I mean, I think that it's ago. really, it's the recommendation, but I, I mean, I really firmly believe at this point in my life, I'm a better parent and physician for having been through postpartum anxiety. Do I yeah. wish I hadn't had it for four months and not know what was wrong with me? No, but I've done it. I've been there. And now I feel like it is my ethical, moral, emotional responsibility and desire to help you mom. You know, Jen brought up a really good, um, she brought up something there that you see that she was talking about the NICU. Okay. And then the breastfeeding. Yeah. Okay. So the thing that I want to bring up about the NICU is that when we're in the NICU, this is going to sound crazy, but we don't have the benefit of going to the pediatrician. Right. Because we're in the NICU. NICU. So the NICU, my, I wish that there was some kind of universal screening that the NICU did. Because it's, that's it's, when it's being talked about. And because and, in the NICU, right? So I was in the NICU 31 days. 
so many things were happening in 31 days that weren't recognized that it became part of my normal life. So by the time I went to the doctor, it wasn't worth speaking about because it was already part of my normal life. That it, I think it really has to happen before. I think these conversations need to happen during pregnancy. So talk to your friends, your family, anybody who that you know that's expecting. And so somebody was saying, like, how do I help? You help by saying it happened to me. Right. Right? It happened to me. It happens. Just let people talk about IVF. Right? Nobody wants to talk about IVF. I, if you want to tell me that you had IVF and be like, yep, that was me, you can but so many people don't talk about IVF and then you're hiding in the shadows about right. IVF. Meanwhile, you could be at a cocktail party with somebody who has just gone through IVF, successfully conceived with a great doctor, everything, but nobody's talking about it. Nobody wants to talk about it. So we have, we have so many like blocks against us because you start off with the shame of not conceiving. Then you go to the shame of failing to conceive possibly with failed IUIs or IU, you know, IVFs or just crappy rounds of Clomid, then you get pregnant. Then you have the fear that you, you know, that you're never going to hold these babies in. Perhaps not everybody has that, but it's not necessarily always the joyous pregnancy. Or maybe it isn't a good pregnancy. Maybe it is, a, you know, a very upsetting pregnancy where you're always in the hospital, your cervix is shorting, you, you know, shortening, you have your blood pressure's gone wacky, protein in your urine, your, your blood sugar's gone wild. So then you have that. Which, by the way, you can have. I had a horrible pregnancy, <laughs> um, and I did not have twins. And so, yes, yeah. speak to your OB, um, motherhood center, so like mostly pregnant women. Um, and there are, PSI is a great resource for if you're not in New York. Yeah. Also, they list people who they work with. Which is when PSI is, is the postpartum support international. Okay. And then um, actually, um, Mass General, Masters General Hospital yeah. has an amazing women's and children's yeah. website as well. That's good. Um, and Dr. Lee Cohen is there as like one of the leading researchers in this area, but there's kind of like more attention being given to it than was, but not enough. And I think what you say is so true that we basically, it's stand up and say like, I mean, I personally, it took me a long time to speak about my story because yeah. someone said to me, don't tell anyone, no one's going to trust you as a physician if they knew you took Zoloft, you know, after you had a baby. And I was nervous. I was embarrassed. I felt like, oh my God, will it do that? And then finally I was like, this is crazy. Like, I am watching women suffer. I am giving advice to people to get help. And I can't stand up and say I went through this. And I was like, that's it. Part of being a good role model is to say, there is no stigma. I am... Uh, what I consider a confident, confident, educated woman, and I have postpartum anxiety, and that is okay. And you and you can have it, and you can yes. get help, and there are resources available to you. And so it's not something that happens that needs to be in the shadows that needs to be whispered about. I really think that's important. The other thing I want to go back to is breastfeeding. Yes. You can breastfeed on most medications for anxiety and depression. Do not let people tell you that you can't. There is a whole field of psychiatry called reproductive psychiatry. If you are pregnant and you're, like, you're on medication, you have a history of being on medication, you're already starting to have symptoms, see a reproductive psychiatrist. Talk to your pediatrician about who to see or your OB. Go to the PSI website, look people up. I mean, in New York, we are mm. so blessed yes. that we have that. Yes, we but are. But it's, it's not, not like that across the country yes. necessarily. But there are resources, and you can also do phone consultations. Yes. There's definitely a lot of resources that are coming up because we are realizing how important it is. <laughs> if you think about it, 30% of women will have a postpartum mood disorder. So chances are the woman sitting next to you think, think, positive. I think that's low. Right. I think it's low because also that's the singleton universe. I think for us. Well, that's a general. I want to say, I gotta do, I'm curious to know, and I didn't want to out Julie, but Julie right. just outed herself about her postpartum anxiety, so I think that that's good at textual. <laughs> I almost Go said, Julie, Julie, thank you for, I for her being open. It's not my story to tell, but I would like right. to say, like, this is not an uncommon discussion within the mom squad. So many of us have had postpartum issues, whether it's anxiety or actual depression, that to me, it's funny that to me, it's a very com normal conversation. It it's is. as normal as, what are you making for dinner? Let's talk about postpartum anxiety. People will say, you know, I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Like, I'm really okay. It's not yes. that bad. And so you don't have to downplay your symptoms is yeah. really kind of what it is. And that's, 
And in this country, by the way, we're super lucky. I want to let you guys know that I get calls from women in other countries that have postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression. And I don't know if you know this, but my phone number, literally this little phone that says Twiniversity, this phone number is available to anybody anywhere in the world. You could literally call me. And with the time zone, sometimes I'll get a call in the middle of the night and I always answer. I don't leave my phone on silent. I answer because I'm like, oh my God, if it's really an emergency, I want to make sure that I'm there for somebody. Well, I am certainly not a trained therapist. I am somebody that can listen and say, okay, here's what you do next. Right. Because well, I do. Trouble, you need to go to yes. Here's what happens next. Here's what you could do. Well, I remember that it's, it's just so nice to know that people exist. And it is one of the pillars of Twiniversity, and if you've ever noticed in the Twiniversity tagline, we say community, education, we actually say community, knowledge, and humor, right? Those are our pillars. The community is entirely built around postpartum support. Because while we're saying like, oh, it's normal for us, I want you to know how normal it is. And we found like a real statistic that over 600,000 diagnoses are given a year for postpartum mood disorders. So 600,000 a year. That is not something that it, it's one person. People are, I feel like, I'm not saying that people are more likely to talk about if they have herpes, but I feel like there's less. I, know about that. I feel that, like yeah. I feel like it's there's things that you're like, oh, it's common. You know, this could be for everybody and whatever. For twin parents, there's so much shame associated with so many things, and we really have to stop that. And this conversation, it really brings up the fact that it needs to be. And I have to be a better talk about that. I want to pick up on that. So if you have gestational diabetes, you would not scream at your body and at your pancreas Mm -hmm. and say, make more insulin, do better, be a better pancreas, you know? But this is the same thing. I could, if you have postpartum depression, anxiety, (laughs) you could scream at your brain all day. Don't be afraid. Be calm. Don't be sad. Good luck. It's not going to be not happening. It may with time, but you have to. I feel like as a country, and yeah. as parents, and as physicians, we need to look at mental health in the same way that we look at physical health. Yes. Whereas, like, I, I use my glasses all the time. If I could yell at my eyes all day, see better. They won't. Um, true. So this it's is true. something that is not necessarily in your control, and it shouldn't be any different. Well, um, someone said something I wanted to address. Well, what I was saying before uh, that people could call me from any, anywhere, yeah. that in, our, in other countries, this is not a conversation that's ever had publicly period the end right. like the end of story like there is no like oh maybe my mom will talk about it your parents won't talk about it your sister won't talk about it it is it is a cause of ridiculous shame but not only are you bringing shame to yourself but you're bringing shame to your family in other countries not that's our country used to be here women were institutionalized oh Dina, like, and that's nuts. where the fear it's comes nuts. from. But that's where the fear and the stigma comes from because people think I'm going to lose my child, so yes. I'm like, on my soapbox. I'm going to lose my child. Like this. Um, okay. I don't know. Someone wrote about C-section. Yes. And so I do want to say that C-section mm-hmm. does increase the risk, but it's mostly, I think, again, it's the same idea of expectation. And so we all sort of have these expectations of how the birth is going to be. And one of the ways I hate is it natural. It is, I mean, what people say to me, like, oh, it wasn't natural, I had a C-section. It's like, well, a hundred years years ago, then when before C-sections, mothers and babies died all the time, right? And so all of these things that are here, that are medical advances, the ability to diagnose and treat postpartum depression and anxiety, the ability to deliver babies safely um, if they can't come out vaginally, the ability, I mean, there's so many things that we always natural, or yeah. even bottle feeding, which we yes. talked about last time. Like, yep. We use the word natural for, and that's the wrong word. No. The wrong word is, there are many ways. That's crazy. The crazy thing is using those words. There are many ways to have a baby deliver. Or have a family. There are lots of ways to have a family. Yes. Families don't have to look no. a certain way. Never. And that's the messaging I think we need to be sending to people and to teach our children so that we create a world <laughs> where this doesn't propagate. Now, somebody, Jen brought up before, too, that she wanted to know that if you do have a history of anxiety or mood disorders in general, your mother did, do doctors ever discourage their patients from breastfeeding? Um, there are very few medications you can't breastfeed on. No, but not oh. not not for the 
medication wise, but for like the stress? I would not. I would see how things go. Okay. And I would also say, and I know we talked about this last time, there are lots of ways to breastfeed. So yeah. again, don't need to exclusively have mm-hmm. both babies or one baby on the breast all the time to be a breastfeeding mom. You don't need to breastfeed day and night to be a breastfeeding mom. There's lots of ways to breastfeed. So I think you wouldn't discourage them from breastfeeding, but like I'll give you an example. Moms who have bipolar disorder are at high risk for having a lapse into mania or depression if they don't get enough sleep. Okay. And so that would be a situation in which I might say to a mom, like, okay, let's make sure you're getting this number of hours of sleep. If that means we're going to give a little bit of formula, great, because your mental health is the most important thing. It's the most important thing for you and for your baby. But I would never start out a conversation. But the other thing is saying, no, you can't breastfeed. The other thing is to keep in mind that it is okay to choose not to. Mm-hmm. So if you say, you know what, I had a really bad experience and now I'm doing it again and I'm not going to breastfeed, fine, your choice. Don't feel shamed. Take care of yourself. Take Your baby will be fed. And if you know that breastfeeding is going to make you feel anxious and miserable, yep. don't do it. And on the flip side, if it makes you feel better. Go for it. And then everybody's like, but you can't do this and it's too much and it's to the twins. You know, it's it's a conversation that has to be had. It's, it, there's so much to this story, and I think it's great. Like, Jen, God bless Jen, man. I love Jen. But, like, when she was in the hospital, I never knew Jen before she had twins. And she's a friend of Julie. It's, like, a weird it's sort so of funny. event, and now she's my friend. But when she had her babies, she ended up having them early, and I called her in the hospital. And I'm like, hey. And we had our first nap chat is what we called it. Since then, it's been a while. Um, to have that, but the, the thing is, is I'm really, I'm available for anybody, and I don't want somebody to be me, and the other crappy thing, now here's another thing that I feel like I have to confess, because I feel like I'm not the only one who had this. You don't have to confess. No, I have I'm to confess. Twinversity is used as my confessional tool, but when I, after I was diagnosed, so the I spoke to my OB at the time, I never spoke to the pediatrician, but I spoke to the OB, and it wasn't actually me that made the call, it was my husband. And my husband does happen. Sometimes. It's critical that your partner knows the phone numbers of these people, whether he wants to call the pediatrician or she wants to call the pediatrician, but they should have the, the proper the phone numbers to find those doctors and say, hey, listen, I'm recognizing these symptoms. What can I do about it? Like I'm worried about her. You know, so if you if you have a partner that's worried, let them make the call. So he made the call and went to the doctor, she gave me medication. I never took a pill. Do you know that I then flushed my medicine, and I'm telling you that because I was really fearful that I wouldn't be able to breastfeed. And being a mom of NICU babies, breast is, it wasn't even breast is best, it was breast is necessary. And so I had to, like, they were like, you have to breastfeed. It's medically necessary for premature babies. You have to breastfeed. You have to breastfeed. So then I'm all screwed up, right, in my little brains. They're still in the hospital. I get some pills eventually, and then I'm like, I can't take these. I got to throw them in the garbage. And Which is it, just totally information. And I, but I will tell you that I have symptoms. So basically, um, in brief, I had very severe postpartum anxiety before I went back to work at four months. Starting terrible panic attacks, like mm-hmm. dysfunctional. So I went to see a psychiatrist mm-hmm. at that point, and I said, I don't need medication. I'm gonna do therapy. We're, I'm gonna get better. And he looked at me and he said. Why don't you take this medication for a few weeks? Soloft is a giant molecule. It doesn't go into the breast milk. By the way, I breastfed on Zoloft twice. And uh, I don't have any shame about it. And I'm very open about it. And I recommend to people to do it. Um, Like I said, most medications you can breastfeed on. But I was like, oh, I don't need that. And he said, okay, why don't you take it for a few weeks and see how you feel? I was like, okay, I'm willing to try anything for a couple weeks. It made a lifetime of difference for me. And so the fact that, as you share that story, like, it breaks my heart. Yeah. You know, because I, I'm sure there are people that I see that do that or that see psychiatrists that do that. And it's just heartbreaking because medication can really help. And not everyone needs medication. Sometimes they just need support. Sometimes they just need therapy. Sometimes they need therapy and medications. Sometimes you take medication. Like, I took medication for a short while. 
I was so nervous when I had baby and my three year old that I actually started medication pregnant because I was like, I thought, you know, like, I just was waiting for Good. the issue to drop. That's I so turned smart. out to do great with him. I was on meds. Maybe that was why, but I, I didn't want to ever take the risk of even a brief moment yeah. feeling how I felt then. And I just don't want other women to. No. I just don't. No, we definitely, definitely are worried about you. If you are worried about you, if you're worried about you, we're really worried about you. You may not even know that it's something to be worried about, but let's, let's just go through again. Like what are the signs that we're looking for? So disconnection with your babies. Um, loss of appetite, over appetite, inability to rest. Um, like you're basically, yeah. like you can't fall asleep, excessive worry, a lot of what ifs, unusual sadness for you. Mm -hmm. Um, it crying frequently without knowing why they say past like the first year yeah. or two. Um, uh, and more severe signs would be having intrusive thoughts about your baby, having um, thoughts of self-harm, thoughts mm -hmm. of harming the baby, thoughts of I might be better if I didn't have this baby, which doesn't mean you're going to harm the baby, but you know, all of those kind of thoughts. And I think people feel embarrassed to say that they feel that those, you know, those things. And actually you can get out for that. So, and feel more connected to your baby. But yeah, those are, I would say the big ones. And then I think, I think, Honestly, I find that excessive worry is such a big one. And yeah. what ends up happening is maybe you started with postpartum anxiety and then you feel anxious that you're anxious and you feel depressed that you're anxious because you feel guilt that you're not, you feel like you're not doing a good job as a parent. And so yeah. the anxiety leads to depression. It's, it's, a, it's a freaking never ending cycle. I am really upset now. And you know what I'm upset about? I'm upset about that I didn't say anything. When we were, when the babies were born, okay, so like, let's say like 70 hours after delivery, I still had not met them. So I had finally gotten to my room. That's very hard. Dina, please. So I'm in the room and I say to my sister, I can't do this. We got to go. I live in my, in my hospital now. I'm like, we have to go. And somebody was there earlier that day and they took a picture of me. They're like, oh my God, because I couldn't see the babies. I was still in my room. So they took a picture of me that day and it, random. So keep that thought on the side. So I'm like, I can't do this. And it was just me and her in the room. And she said, um, okay, well, what do you want to do? Like, what do you, like, she didn't know what to say. And I was like, I, I don't think that I could do this ever. Like, I mean, like not do this, like be in the hospital, like do this. Like I cannot parent these babies who need oxygen and who have, you know, medical issues that I don't even understand what half these tests are for or what they're talking about. And they're giving me a report on children I've never even met. And it was, it was such like I have chills now. And so my sister said, okay, get dressed, let's go. And I was like, okay. And so then literally I get out of the hospital bed, IVs and all, and I start getting dressed. Now my sister, I don't think she really thought that I was going to be like, okay, let's go. But I was, I was not fucking around in plain English. I was going, I was out, man. And so I started getting dressed and she's like, okay, so where are we going to go? And then she's like, but you know what, if we go, then, you know, uh, grandma and Julie is supposed to come later today. Maybe we just wait for grandma Julie to come and then we go. And so then little by little, she just started saying things to me that like brought me back in, but she never said you have to stay. Or she never said, you have to do this, and this is your job, and you have these babies, and it's your responsibility. It was, okay, let's go, uh, but let's just get ourselves organized first, and then we'll go. And if you look, which I'm grabbing it, because now this will make all sense to you. In this book, if you look, and I will ask you to read this, who is the book dedicated to? This book is dedicated to my sister, Vivian Tracy Welsh. You see things in me that only a big sister can. You've been there since their very first breath, and you've been my rock ever since. And everybody's like, why didn't you dedicate this book to your kids? Why didn't you dedicate this book to your spouse? Guess what? In my literal darkest hour of my life, that is who was there for me. That's a blessing. You're very lucky. And God bless my sister that's had so much therapy in her life. <laughs> and she was like therapizing me and I didn't even know. But one thing I want to say, <laughs> and I think this is really important, it's something I say myself. So people who have had postpartum depression or anxiety often have a lot of residual guilt about having yeah. have not spoken. Absolutely. You, you cannot no. <laughs> be held responsible for that. 
No. It is absolutely. not your fault you had it, and it is not your fault that you didn't see anything. You nope. were not well. That's really what you have to keep saying. Like when I, and that's another thing that took me a while to come to terms with is write and talk about it for uh-huh. a moment. I was not well during that time period yeah. of my life. And the fact that I didn't know what was going on with me, the fact that I had no clue, is not my fault. Yeah. I, I, I could not have possibly known, which is the same thing now. <coughs> like I see as my responsibility as a pediatrician, if someone's feeling something, yeah. or it seems like that, to say, like, okay, you know, let's talk about this. But I don't think that the responsibility is on the mom no. or the dad or whoever's having bad feelings. Like, hey, look at your like partners, look around. They may not notice it. I have a physician. I am a pediatrician. I didn't You're a real that. doctor. No, but I'm saying, not just university, no, a Phoenix doctor. A real one. I see babies all day. I saw babies all, all day. I see babies all day, every day, and I recognize male symptoms. You can't not. You are in a dark place. Yeah, it's easier to see. Even when other it's mild, people. you are in a dark place. You know, it's one of those things. A lot of my friends said to me, it's oh, you, you're so totally you. anxious and depressed. And you're like, like why didn't you tell me? Thanks for that, guys. You me? Like, <laughs> I suffered for months. That's it. Be a good friend. That's what you want to know what you can do? Be a good friend. Be yes. a good partner. Be a good doctor. Be a good everything. Do, do not, like, tell people, I'm yeah. here. I support you no matter what. Let's get help. Yeah. You got to do it. If you had lost a finger, you would go to the emergency room. You would have a clear visual issue that something is wrong. But with mental health, whether it is postpartum, whether it your kids are 40, yep. it doesn't, it really doesn't matter. Are our kids going to be 40? Our kids, my kids are going to be 40. I think about <laughs> it every day. I think about it all the time. I am raising, I am raising 40 year olds. And when I think about that, it's because I'm trying to help no, them no, make good decisions when they're funny. 20, not good decisions when they're 13. So we t- well, I'll never tell people I have kids. I'll be like, oh, it's my sister's children. She's the one. Yeah, that's that super <laughs> emotionally healthy sister. That's it. She is. She's so great. Although she will tell you that she's not. She really is. She's so great. But she is somebody also that she doesn't need to see the finger cut off to know to go to the doctor. She's recognized since she was very young when she needed help and when the help was way beyond our circle of friends and our family could get her, she was like, oh, no, we, we need to do this. And it's it's that is a gift onto itself if you have that realization yeah. of your own thoughts. But not everybody does. And no. the other thing is, like, people will cry in the office. No, yeah. I'm so mad. I'm like, <laughs> right. I a dollar for everybody that cried in the <laughs> Like, you are amongst many people. I do. I mean, I'm not going yeah. <laughs> okay, so we know we have the signs. We're going to talk to our pediatrician. Hopefully, our pediatrician will be screening us. I pray to you that you're looking at just the, the support that's a, that's possible when you're expecting. You may never need it, but if you need it, you know need to know that it exists. Clearly, you know that we are here for you. So Twiniversity is here. We have a mentorship program, and we have mentors. And if you're like, I want a mentor that had postpartum anxiety, we could probably, I don't think probably, I know that we could find you a mentor with postpartum anxiety. Another thing that came up that I did want to ask about, though, was mm-hmm. postpartum OCD. It's a thing. It's uh, definitely something. That so what, what, well. how would I know that I have that? Again, it would be, so with OCD, you have <laughs> Interestingly, with postpartum OCD, people often have like very disturbing intrusive thoughts, like compulsive intrusive thoughts about their child. Okay. That make them really uncomfortable and they're ashamed to admit out loud. They're not just about harming their child, they may be about like cleaning or, or positioning yeah, or, or touching or different okay. kinds of things. Um, and so they adapt something. And then also you might find yourself obsessively doing the same exact behavior over yeah. and over again. And so yeah. Postpartum OCD, postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, postpartum bipolar. I mean, there's like, there's just a... So now it's just mood disorder. It's period, it's no more postpartum depression that you may be Googling and be like, this isn't me. There is a slew of postpartum mood disorders. And the movement is to call it peanuts, postpartum mood. I hope that they do. Well, Jen just said she has room in her posse of mentees. So Jen has like four right now. I don't know what we're going to do without her. Her babies are still little, but she'll she'll take you. So if you right now are in the eye of the storm, speak to your pediatrician, speak to your obstetrician, speak to your general practitioner, speak to your sister, but do not suffer in silence. Speak to your partner, whomever, whoever, but don't speak to a random person. 
Like, don't be like, hey, bus driver, let me tell you a story. <laughs> because bus driver's not going to know. And a lot of people sometimes will go and they'll be like, oh, I'll have a glass of wine. I'll sit at the bar. I'll talk to this bartender. That bartender, although super sweet on the eyes, perhaps, may not really be qualified to get you help outside of that glass of Pinot Grigio. Yeah, talk to, talk, to yeah, talk to like a real uh, a real somebody or we or are and Natalie's always or good. A, or a Jen. A Jen is great. And you could just email us at community at twiniversity.com. It's as easy as you could get. You don't even have to email us. You can send us a direct message. You can message us over on Instagram. And you I, honestly, there's there's so many ways to find us that we made it easy for you. And we made it literally easy for you. We make it easy for the postpartum mom that look that's looking for support. We don't want you to have to go more than two clicks to find us. So when we created Twiniversity, that is the truth. You will not have to go more than two clicks to figure out how to get in touch with us. So is there any final words that you want? So now let's say we want to join our mom's group here. What do we do? So we, we linked up <coughs> excuse me, uh, to Premier Pediatrics in our little description up top over there around the side of however you're watching this. So you could click through there, and then there's an event on Facebook, and we'll post. So you will there's have that one coming up soon. I'm going to post it today. And then clearly, if you need a pediatrician and you're in the New York City area, Dr. Dina's got room, just like Jen's got room in her mentee posse. She's got room, I for room in my pediatric posse. So if you need a relationship with your pediatrician like this, I wish, I wish that I had the balls to do this. I wish that I had the nerve to speak to Dr. Keith and say, I'm having a problem. And, and your hindsight, the world was different. 2020. Yeah, cannot, cannot. Well, we're going to shake yeah. it up just like we're trying to shake it up. We're, we're, we're bringing you a lot of different options, and it's not just about gear, and it's not just about services. It's about stuff like this. So shake it up. If you've suffered from any postpartum mood disorder and you want to help somebody else, Join our mentorship program. Julie will put a link to the mentorship program. When you sign up, there'll be like a little comments box. Just say, I had a postpartum mood disorder. And that way we'll be able to know that we could match you up with somebody. That's, a, of course, if you feel comfortable telling us. But we would love if you would because you could really, really help the next person. So while I created an entire uh, universe around my postpartum issues, you do not have to feel that burden. You could just join our mentorship program. So I thank you very, very, very much for watching. Dr. Dina, as always, let's shake hands like they do on my TV. Thank you so much. Nice Thanks for having me. I'll be texting you in 10 minutes about something that I need for oh, my phone. Well, thanks for watching. For more information, go to twiniversity.com or always email us at community at twiniversity.com. See you later, alligators. Bye.